From the Summer Skate Studios, Behind the Mask Hockey Shops present College Hockey West Weekly. Behind the Masks, College Hockey West Weekly is brought to you by Desert Toyota of Tucson. No gimmicks, no games, just a great car and a great experience. Find us at DesertToyota.com or at 7150 East 22nd Street in Tucson. Top Golf, let us help you reimagine your next business meeting or team building event. See your regional center or go to topgolf.com. The NCHC and nchc.tv. Subscribe to nchc.tv to watch the best in college hockey since 2013. Behind the Mask Hockey Shops. Visit any of our Three Valley locations or go to behindthemask.com whether you're on ice or in line. Jets Pizza. Whether it's our legendary Detroit-style square or New York-style thin crust, Jets Pizza is better because it has to be. Caesars Entertainment Resorts and Casinos, whether it's Las Vegas or any of our other worldwide properties, an iconic vacation awaits you at any of our destinations. Liberty University, play for something more. Faith, education, and hockey at liberty.edu. By M-Drive, natural support for men looking to increase energy, strength, and drive. Always free delivery at mdriveformen.com. My summer skates, whether our original red or new black shower shoes, show your game and style at summerskates.com. Jesse Ray's Barbecue in Las Vegas, the best in barbecue Las Vegas style. Now at our two locations, the original at 5611 South Valley View Boulevard in Las Vegas and the new location at 308 North Boulder Highway in Henderson. And by College Hockey, Inc., your NCAA hockey resource. College Hockey West Weekly from the Summer Skate Studios, presented by Behind the Mask, is a part of the IcetimeHockeyWest.com network. Here are your hosts, Scott Strandy and Paul Hornstein. All right. Well, welcome in, hockey fans, to Tuesday night of Frozen Four Week. Tonight is College Hockey West Weekly. Scott Strandy with you tonight. Uh, Back in Laughlin, Nevada, about eight stories above the Colorado River here in this beautiful city um, that borders Nevada and Arizona and not too far from California. My co-host is always Paul Hornstein from that big, beautiful palatial estate out on Long Island, New York. Uh, Paul, how are things uh, on the island today? Did you go like to a politics course in, in school to learn how to tell lies like that? Yeah, I did, actually. <laughs> Political science was a major. <laughs> uh, I mean, palatial estate. I mean. <laughs> like, can I tell you what wasn't? That's all I have to say. Can I tell you what wasn't a lie? The fact that we didn't get back uh, to the hotel last night till 4 a.m. this morning um, after putting up with dust storms, making a 100-mile detour to stay on the interstate. Uh, so we went Palm Springs, Ontario, or Palm Springs, San Bernardino, Barstow, back to Needles, north of Needles, finally arriving back here about 4 a.m. And, uh, boy, uh, I am still feeling it, to be honest with you. But it was well worth it, Paul. You know why? Is the chauffeur okay? That's what I want to know. Uh, yeah, the chauffeur uh, was right here, and he's not okay. <laughs> anyway. Uh, it was all worth it because the Coachella Valley Firebirds and the San Jose Barracuda put on everything that is right about the American Hockey League, uh, a game that was tight, a game that was uh, intense, a game that was 
um, sent to overtime with a goal in the last 18.9 seconds. Right. Uh, a game that went through the overtime with some great scoring chances and nobody scored. Uh, your favorite thing, the shootout, uh, yeah. which saw three goals scored, including two by the winning Coachella Valley Firebirds. Um, had a chance to visit one-on-one, basically, with uh, Dan Bilesma, um, with um, uh, Chris Drager, and uh, with Carson Tunibala, uh, something like that. <laughs> I'll never get Carson's name right. He knows it, too. He just laughs at me. <laughs> uh, anyway, Tur- Turininski or something like that is how we say Carson's last name. But, boy, um, you would never have known that one team was battling – first place in the west and one team was battling just to be in the playoffs in the west but w- what an exciting game great fans for monday night in coachella valley and people that say this place isn't uh, uh good for for hockey at any level is out of their mind well uh san diego and that neck of the woods has always been a, a a a a an area that has supported uh, its AHL teams. I mean that you know just go back and look. Now, oh yeah, you know, has, yeah. has it changed over time? Maybe because of the of the pandemic, but before the pandemic, and I and and I'm sure there was a nice crowd at, at Coachella Valley. I mean, uh, you know. But I mean, the Gulls used to get eight, nine thousand a game. Paul, they had they had about five thousand the other night, and they're in okay. last place and not going to make the playoffs. And That's the fans still good. came out. Yeah, and I'll see them on Friday night when they host the Calgary Wranglers, and I'm anticipating that to be five, six thousand again. The first place team against the team that's trying to uh, play spoiler, if you will, because now Coachella Valley and Rang and the Wranglers from Calgary are uh, tied at 98 points and uh, tomorrow night's matchup in Coachella Valley between those two is, uh, is really going to be something I'm looking forward to. You know, I, I, I think eventually, you know, as, as time goes on, right. I mean, San Diego and Coachella Valley are going to end up as a rivalry, right. Kind of like the old road runners in the Salt Lake city, uh, golden Eagles in the old IHL days. Oh yeah. Yeah. For certain. I mean, uh, and the rivalry is building between Palm Springs and Bakersfield, uh, between Coachella Valley, I should say, and Bakersfield, between Coachella Valley and Ontario and Henderson. I mean, keep in mind, all these places are, are less than a four-hour drive apart from each other. Yeah, no, I get it. I, so I totally get that. It's it's so cool. It really is. And it's so cool to see Akersher Arena um, just pumping it, and and the music was was unbelievable. It's a concert venue, I think, even before a hockey rink. But boy, there's not a bad seat in the house, and um, you know, yeah, I'm just thrilled to to be able to see it. And the nice part about it this time of year, Paul, and you know this, and that's why I bring it up on this show is a lot of players are making the jump from college to professional hockey, and they usually right. start with a uh, professional tryout if it's not in the NHL, it's with an AHL. And I saw guys last night again. I was hoping to see Ethan Frisch. I did not see Ethan Frisch. Um, but I saw, um, oh, I'm trying to, the last name is Vincent. Plays for Long Island or played for Long Island. I can't remember his first name at the moment. Drawing a blank on it. But 
Anyway, I uh, watched him play. Yeah, thought no, he played really well. About. Yeah, yeah, he, he was, like he was really good. Scorers. Yeah, I meant to speak with him during the uh, Arizona State series, but uh, both of those games are so intense, and they ended up losing them both. And you know me. I don't like going to the losing locker room because I just don't eh, think anything it. constructive comes out. But I get it. But anyway, saw him, um, saw the Arizona kid, Nathan Burke, uh, right. play last night. Uh, and then, like I said, had a chance to see an NHL goaltender who's on the rehab, basically, and, and Chris Drager and um, uh, Joey Decord was there as the backup last night because I think Joey's going to start tomorrow night. Um, he's clearly uh, the number one goalie. In, in uh, been, They have not? I'm saying they've been bouncing him around back oh. and forth. Yeah, I think he's their number one, and and they're going to make him the number one. And and Drieger knows that. Um, I thought he played okay. I thought he could have played a little better. I thought he got better as the game went on. And he he told me afterwards. He said the first twenty twenty five minutes, I didn't have enough shots to really um, get a, get a feel for the game. On the other side, Aaron Dell was just standing on his head, <laughs> which Aaron Dell can do that sometimes, and then other times he can look completely miserable. Well, he's a veteran. He's been around a long time now. Um, you know. I think uh, he's from Minnesota, too. Anyway, did that just go by in passing? or? Yeah, whatever. I mean, I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> you want me to start the chant? M-I-N. No? No. Okay. And speaking of that, the Frozen Four teams made their way to Tampa today. Saw the well, Quinnipiac Bobcats got a uh, official escort, sure and not not like the former president. This one no. was a good a good send off with the escort. There were no white Broncos, I assume. <laughs> no, Hampton, Connecticut. Uh, wise, the fire department, the police department, got them out to the airport and got them down to uh, Tampa Bay uh, safely. Nice. Uh, nice, so that was nice. good. I saw BU made their way there and got a nice welcome. I haven't seen, I saw Michigan was getting ready to leave and I have not seen the arrival video of them yet or Minnesota, but assume they all are there and tucked in and getting ready to practice tomorrow and, and uh, get prepared for a Thursday matchup, which is going to be a fun, exciting frozen four. We'll get into that in a minute. We're going to save it for the end tonight because uh, a couple of things I, I thought were interesting. I sent you one. I don't know if you saw it yet on um, the, uh, the revenue that the guy that did the ranking yeah, of the I expenses. That, yeah, I saw. I he did the revenue too, saw, right? Um, because I sent you one that was out a day ago on Twitter uh, with NCAA men's hockey revenue leaders, and uh, when I saw it, Paul, I was shocked because uh, in the top ten were I think four or five NCHC schools. So what does that tell you about the drawing factor? And then the other thing that shocked me about it was uh, either last or dead last was Ohio State. Now, how does that happen? Oh, uh, it's not football. But still, you're Ohio State University. You're the Ohio State University, and you're almost dead last and drawing behind every other school that plays NCAA Division One hockey? I, 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 don't, I don't know. Um... I thought it had to be an error, but I don't know. Um, I, I reached well, out to him today to see if he might want to come on the podcast and talk with us. I think um, these. I, I still think this was the list of expenses. I don't know. Did you see the email I sent you today? Yeah, I, I ignore. I ignore. Ignore your crap. Um, <laughs> it's. I'm sure it said income. 
Well, it does, well I'm looking because to make sure it's not the same thing as the revenue thing that, that uh, I mean, the expenses one that I saw the other night. Because the comments in the Twitter feed were, um, I can't believe, or what is this? This is quite a statement for NCHC hockey or something like that. Because North Dakota, as you would expect, was number one. Um, but then Denver, Colorado yes. College, were right. right up there. Yeah, I guess this is a different list because the, uh, the the pit list the list that I have a picture of has Ohio State um, in the middle, so it's clearly a different list. Yeah, but well, it, the one that I sent you today, uh, I forwarded it to you off of Twitter, was um, was revenue. I'm almost certain of that. So yeah, that's uh, what it says. That's what it says. So I was I was just shocked at that, and that what that tells me is two things: uh, the NCH she really knows how to market. And brand there because the universities are small schools for the most part yeah and uh, and for them to generate that kind of revenue and, and i guess that's the motto right of nchc hockey michael weissman's told us that several times that uh when when it was formed it was to try to find um universities that were like-minded in the fact that hockey was their number one sport on the on the campus or close to it well yeah i mean that was the the reason that it was formed. I mean, it, for the most part, because if you remember, and, and I think I'm accurate on this, um, Notre Dame was one of the initial possibilities for this league. So, right. And and they're up at the top two, being yeah, in but the Big Ten. They're not, they're, they're not a hockey first school, was my point. Right. Right. Yeah, I get it. I get it. So uh, anyway, so, I I thought that was yeah, mostly, and I thought uh, Greg Powers and the job he's done at uh, at Arizona State. I think they came in like 14th or something like that, which is pretty yeah, impressive. Yeah, in the, in the upper half, yeah. No, well, I'm sure, um, you know, if is, but I I don't know. I'd have to I'd have to look at a little bit more in depth on that because that's pretty good if they were playing in Oceanside and getting that kind of money. Yeah, it wasn't wasn't playing at Oceanside. It was this last year, I think. It had to be, which I don't know how they can put that out there even, but, you know, I don't know. Well, because it's all public information, most of those schools. Right, but how could they even compute it that quickly because the season Well, that's what I'm ended. saying. I don't know. I, but I, I, the point is Ohio State's the bottom. Um, I guess it's because maybe they're in the middle, you know, uh, because they don't have a lot of travel expenses. I don't know. Well, I, I, I'm, I, I'm talking about revenue, though. That revenue is how you bring in your money. I get it. For ticket sales, for advertising, for promotion material, for jersey sales. I mean, clearly, ASU could make a lot of money off of jersey sales. <laughs> well, I'm sure Everybody just bought one. <laughs> one of each can. Um, I'm pretty sure that that's, you know, the, that, that they've done that. So, I mean... Just, you know. Well, everywhere you look, Pitchfork is popular. There's no doubt about that. Yeah. I mean, you don't have to go very far for, for people to see that. But anyway, I just thought that was kind of neat that uh, to see that because we're talking about uh, the need for a Western conference. And I think if anybody was going to form a new conference in the West, they would be a fool not to follow the roadmap uh, of the NCHC. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, that's definitely um you know as, as a hockey only conference that is 
you know, I'm sure that that's what the CCHA is trying to, um, I don't want to say. Emulate, copy. Yeah, I would say, yeah, probably. That's pro- I, don't, I didn't know if that was the right word I was looking for, but that's close enough. Yeah, so. I, the, the difference is I, I don't know if their facilities like. And let's, here's the and thing let's with the NCHC, though. I mean, let's face it, though. The, 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 when, you, when you go through the list of CCHA schools, and this is not to knock those schools. You know, my friend's alma mater is involved in that league. But they're not North Dakota. They're not Denver. They're not Minnesota Duluth. Nor do many of them have the facilities you know, to draw so. that many people. I mean, you, you can bring almost 12,000 standing room only in, at the at the Ralph in Grand Forks. Where? Yeah, Who? the Ralph. What? You know it. You know it. Um, no, I don't. I've never heard of that place. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Anyway, no. uh, you can get uh, a ton of people in there. You can get, you know, several thousand. Yeah, but, but, but they're almost Denver. the exception to every rule. Right, but when but Denver is there, and and now CC sold out their building all last year and the year before, the first year that was in existence, and this last year, ASU was on the same path. Um, so you you can see where a, a you know four or five thousand seat venue is going to bump up your revenue, right? I mean, as opposed to a twenty two hundred or whatever. Yeah, I mean, you know, um, obviously. You know, I just, um, you know, like I said, I don't, um, you know, it's also a market thing. Yeah, it is. And and that's why when you say that, Paul, the interesting thing in the CCHA that I think comes up is um, Augustana now, um, you know, Sioux Falls is a fairly good sized city, has a a lot of business and, and, you know, corporate dollars and things like that. But they also got uh, a thriving USHL program, and now you're going to come in and try to uh, rebrand or or brand NCAA hockey. I guess it's not going to be rebranding; it's brand new. Uh, but you're going to brand and try to draw NCAA hockey fans. You can do it. I mean, they can both survive. But I know one thing that uh, was nerve wracking to. Um, UNLV, for example, was when the Golden Knights said, hey, we're bringing the Silver Knights to Henderson. They were very fearful that it was going to really cut into their dollars because the ticket prices will be very similar and the quality of hockey was somewhat similar. And I think that's been one of the things that might be holding UNLV back a bit is can the Golden Knights, the Silver Knights, everything else that goes on in Vegas and an NCAA hockey program draw enough to uh, to be successful? Why not? It's all night about in and night point, out, though, isn't it? Night in and night out. Not far from well, the AHL numbers, I don't think. Listen, all I know is that th- there are price points, right? I mean, um, how far is Fargo from Grand Forks? 65 miles. Okay, so if you're in the middle, how much is it going to cost you to go to a force game as opposed to a fighting? Hawks. Oh, is that what they are? Okay. Um, yeah. <laughs> how, you know, how much? 
And I'm not saying that. How hard is it to get a defenseman game? from the Fargo Forest to UND? Anyway, we'll get into that in a minute. Yeah, well, apparently it's kind of hard. But, um, <laughs> you know. Sorry. So, you know, so it makes a difference. I mean, are the are there fans in Fargo that are big-time UND fans? Of course there are. Uh, but I'm going to pack the my kids folks up. folks at NDSU hear you say that, by the way. Well, for hockey? Well, yeah. Okay, well, anyway, considering anyway, North my Dakota point, State doesn't have a program. I, I don't think it's so much the price point. It is the branding of the game. You have to get people that are... Like what Arizona State has, right? They're diehard ASU alums that are learning about hockey. And you know what? You're in the alumni group. Uh, there are people all the time that are talking about, man, that I went to an ASU hockey game the other day. It was great. Uh, and I think that's if, if you know, and that's what we do is help to try to grow the game. And if that's how you're going to grow the game, I think you need to get your alumni base um, supporting like you do basketball, football, wrestling, all of those different sports, baseball, softball. Um, you need to get the, the, the alumni supporting it. And I think that's what would have to happen in anybody, any community that starts a new program and UNLV included is they're going to have to look to their alumni and say, Hey, you know, we need you to support, uh, our program as a UNLV rebel alum. Yeah, I mean, I understand that, too. I mean, that's you have that base to draw on, whether they're Golden Knights or Silver Knight fans. Right? There's a, there's a school base. You have the students. Um, and you have people that are UNLV fans for anything that you have to draw up, that, that, that you would draw from first. Yeah, and that's what I'm saying. That's what Arizona State has done this first year, and I saw every game at Mullet this year, um, just by coincidence, folks. But um, when I was there, that's what I noticed, right? I saw a lot of people come in that were older, that were talking about not being hockey fans, and all of a sudden deciding that they they were now. Uh, they enjoyed it. They watched the game. They thought the venue was fantastic. But I also heard people talking about the drum line, the pep band, the student section, all of those things making it a college experience. And those are things you can't get at the USHL level or you can't get at the AHL or even ECHL level because it's a different environment. It's like, you know how it is. You you bleed maroon and gold, correct? I checked once. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Okay. Uh, yeah, so, yeah. so it's going to make a big difference. Would you love to see a US, USHL team or an NAHL team in – in Arizona when you retire, I'm sure you would. But that wouldn't detract you or take you away from anything that happened at NCAA Division One hockey at Arizona State. That would still be your first love, correct? Oh, absolutely. Of course. Without and question. I, th I think that's what you have to do to grow an NCAA program. And you look at, at successful schools like North Dakota, Minnesota, Michigan. Um, you look at Minnesota Duluth. You look at, you know, all these schools. Um, I was almost going to say Minnesota State, but I want to stop there for a minute because we're going to get well, into that. Well, let, let's in face it. When we talk, yeah, but like for example, when we when you talk about Augustana, they'll be the big game in town. They'll be the biggest game in town. Yeah, they'll they'll be the South Dakota version of the green and white team, where 
you know, they'll be the only program in the state. Um, you're going to have people that are probably fans of the green and white that will switch because they live in South Dakota. I, I don't know. I don't know the... <sighs> It's it's going to be like I was Rivalry, talking about Saint so Thomas. Speak. It's going to be like I told you with Saint Thomas that parents and 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 such are um, alumni of Saint Thomas before they ever were an NCAA school. So right. so they grab they might have been hockey fans and they gravitated to the nearest um, NCAA program, which may have been Minnesota or Saint Cloud or whatever. And then all of a sudden, when their team got it, and this is leading me into the next topic here, um, but when their team Saint Thomas got an NCAA Division One program, they migrated back and said, hey, this is my this is my school. I'm an alum. I need to be here. I so, get that. So that being said, Matthew Gleason is going back home. He's going to play for the Tommies. Good for him. And I, I have a feeling that, you know, he was recruited not by, uh, well, by Chris Mayock I... and his staff, but I think Chris is really going to miss him because I know how much he liked Matthew, but can you blame him for wanting to go home now and play in his home, his home state and maybe a school he grew up very close to and is very fond of, and now they're getting really good, and he's got an opportunity well, to be a big part of it? And he's got his buddy Noah Prokoff to go with him. He's got some other buddies as well that are well, sure, well, uh, high school yeah, buddies those... that are making the move there as well. well I'm, sure they, I'm sure they, 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 they are, but, I mean, I'm just talking strictly CC. That's all. Yeah, yeah, I get it. So yeah, it's 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 gonna be uh, it's gonna be exciting. But there you go. There's Rico Blasi at work, and um, okay. So so let's dig into this. We're gonna go a little past the uh, the top of the hour here before we take our break because I I think we need to talk about three schools that um, you and I talked about uh, off air obviously today, and we're having our, our pre show conversations as we always do. Um, North Dakota. Minnesota State, Arizona State, three completely different locations, three completely different stages of college hockey, but they all have one thing in common, and that's player pool. And it's different, yet it's the same. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just tell the audience what I see, and then I'm going to let you dig into what you know about things or what you okay. see from the outside looking in. North Dakota lost all their defensemen. Um, <laughs> and in some of them went to the pros, some transferred, some graduated. I mean, it was a variety of reasons, but to lose a full defensive core and it looked like they went all boat in to get a goaltender to say, okay, we got to build from the goal out now because our defensive core might be young and inexperienced. That, that's just a hypothesis that I would make off of that. So there's that Minnesota state loses their head coach and they lose the guy that everybody thought would succeed their head coach and keep things stable. And as you told me today, it looks like a, a fire sale or a mass exodus uh, from Mankato. Uh, at least it, currently uh, some of the guys could jump out of the portal and come back, but a lot of guys have uh, picked up stakes and left um, <laughs> Mankato, Minnesota, for lack of better terms. And then Arizona state, they were on the rise. I think we still are on the rise, and the excitement level is still there. But, man, just sheer numbers of guys that left, whether it be graduation or uh, the transfers in the portal or moving on to the professional ranks, just the sheer numbers um, 
kind of stuns me. And when I look through the rest of college hockey ball, I don't see any other university universities uh, that are in that situation. Am I am I off base on that? First well, of all, well, when I look here at at the knee at the at at the at the portal, the guys that are reportedly in the portal, right? Boston College. I'm not. I'm not talking about guys they've lost to graduation or anything. Just the guys in the portal. BC, a half a dozen guys. Brown, a half a dozen guys. Clarkson, a half a dozen or more. CC, a half a dozen or more. Um, Lake Superior State, a half a dozen or more. Um, UMass has lost a ton of guys, uh, six to eight guys. Uh, Michigan State, six to eight guys. Uh, first of all, in some of these cases, I mean, Northeastern. Northeastern has lost one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine guys to the portal. Various, various, you know, levels of, of their team, but, uh, there's, I, there's, there's not really any teams or too many teams that don't have anywhere from four to eight guys in the portal. There are over 200, there are almost 240 guys that at some point were in the portal. Okay, stop right there for guys. a minute. Stop right there for a minute. Okay. Um, when the pandemic hit and right. the extra year was granted and we saw all these things happening, we said there's going to be a backup, backup, backup. Then the portal thing exploded at virtually the same time with the ability to transfer without penalty. Um, are we just seeing um, – the boom still of the portal. I think we have, or is there something going on in college hockey that that people should take notice of? That that guys are coming in and leaving way too soon. Well, I think you have a lot of different things at work here. Okay, I th- I just really think there is. Um, first of all, um, in addition to the COVID season, there are still a few of the, there's still, you know, there are still seniors that have that extra free year. Okay. So that's one, two. Um, in addition to that, you have the rule that a grad student can transfer without a problem. There's a lot of that. And it, so you, when you add that to uh, coaching changes, and there's really only been going to be two major coaching changes to this point that we know of, okay, that creates extra people in the portal. And we still have teams like Lindenwood is going to be in their second year. So you know guys are leaving in and out of there. LIU still has the issue with guys leaving in and out of there because, you know, they're, they're, they're still not in like a full cycle of their programs. All right? So now, and so now, and you had, you know, you have Augustana coming in. 
Uh, team mystery. You have team mystery. Um, who has a few players that we've seen publicly, um, including some people from the portal. Robert Morris coming back. Robert Morris. Yeah, I wasn't forgetting about them. Okay, so you have places now, or still, where when you throw all those factors together, You have coaching changes, new teams, grad transfers, and a COVID year. And, and I think this was the last one. So, so do you think that if we look at things this time next year, that we're going to see lower numbers in the portal? Things are going to settle down? Or do you think this is the new norm where guys are just going to switch every year? Because if, if you're losing four to eight players every year to the portal, guys that you thought were going to be around your program for a little while, uh, man, if I'm a head coach, if, I, I'm just pulling my hair out. Because if I'm committing to a kid and, and thinking I'm going to get him for a few years, and I, I'm not picking anybody. I'm just using this as an example. But we know how uh, Coach Powers bought into Josh Doan. And we know that when he was drafted uh, at the top of the second round, uh, by the Arizona Coyotes that he probably wasn't going to make it four years. But when you grant a kid in a sophomore season uh, the captaincy, and then at the end of his sophomore season, he's gone, um, uh, uh, man, doesn't that just have to eat at you a little bit? I mean, you're happy for the kid that he's making the move to the next level, but how do you build stability at all in a program? If Because I'm sure Coach Powers... <sighs> I, I'm not sure because I'm not in his head, but I would think he believes or believed that Josh is going to be around three, maybe a full four years. And I, I think, think he thought he could build a program around him um, with stability. And now all of a sudden, and I'm not blaming Josh because he's going to do what Josh has to do. And I don't blame him for that. I'm just saying like as a college hockey coach and I look back, obviously I'm an old man. So I look back to the seventies and I say, Man, you guys, like when Neil Broughton made the jump um, from Minnesota to the pros and played for the North Stars, that was like one of the first back in the day that didn't stick it out for four years. And people were just like, oh, no, this can't really be happening. Yeah, okay, but, but, but he'd won an NCAA championship, a gold medal. Well, high school uh, championship. Uh, see, he won everything. He won everything. There you go. He had nothing more to stay for. I, I get that. And, and by the way, he didn't go from Minnesota to Minnesota Duluth. He went from Minnesota to the Minnesota North Stars. Right. And and let's not, that was, I, I, I don't know if you can go back further than because, I mean, that was the first wave of college players hitting the NHL. Yeah. Yeah, correct. So I, I don't, you know, once again, they'd won a national championship. And won an Olympic gold medal. And, you know, these were not the days of entry-level contracts. And um, I'm sure that the North Stars. What a great logo. What a great name. What a great team. I am sure that they, at that point, were so, I don't want to say desperate. 
because that would not be the right word. But they were very anxious to get a Neil Broughton on board and in well, the uniform. They thought he was going to be one of the pieces, and he was. That, he was. That, that brought him to uh, Stanley Cup, Cup in finals. Dallas. Oh, yeah. sorry. <laughs> Ouch. That hurt. Jeez, kicked me in the head on that one. I might have well, a concussion uh, now. Well, anyway. Said he, you said the Stanley Cup finals. Um, we're, we're, don't forget who they lost to. Yeah, I know. Who was that? Edmonton? No, not Edmonton. Detroit? Not uh, Detroit. Uh, Columbus? No. Nope, you're not going um, far east enough. A- Atlanta? No. Nashville? Nope, now you're no. too far south. Yeah. No. Come on. Um, LA? Say it. Say it. Uh, um, Say it. Oh, I know. I know. A team from one of the boroughs. Nope. The Rangers? Nope. The Devils? Nope. Is there the, a team the, on Long Island? Yeah, you know, that team that won 19 oh. straight playoff oh, yeah, series, those. a record that will <laughs> never be broken. <laughs> those guys. Yeah, I, that, yeah, I remember that. Anyway. <laughs> Swept them, too, by the way. Let's, that, let's that, just make sure we get that in there. Yeah, that was fun. That was fun. Anyway, um, so let's take a quick break. Let's come back because I don't want to completely blow off the Frozen Four, even though we've talked about it now for a week and now. Um, maybe we'll have some more things to talk about as the teams arrive in Tampa. But uh, I just thought it was fun, a fun discussion to have and let people think about it that listen to the show on the download um, to think about what's going on. Because it, and we'll come when we come back from the break, we'll talk about North Dakota, Minnesota State, because this one was primarily focused on Arizona State and the portal and all that. Well, listen, I mean, like I said, we've we've talked about the Frozen Four for four shows now. So And, and rightly so. It is yeah, no, uh, absolutely. it is the national championship of the game. Right. But and this is the stuff that and maybe we're you know, because it is a download thing, but this is the news of the day. So it is I mean we, we can't avoid it, it because nope. it's an issue. Okay. We'll be right back. At Behind the Mask, we know that players are always messing with their equipment and constantly need to borrow things like tape or need a new mouthpiece during the season. Point is that just because you are fully outfitted to start the season doesn't mean you're good for the year. Make sure that you are always supplied with all of the hockey accessories you need by visiting our stores or BehindTheMask.com. Whether it's an extra mouth guard, wheels and bearings for your inline skates, or extra rolls of tape for your stick, at Behind the Mask, we have all the little things that can make your time at the rink go smoother. Go to any of our three Valley locations or online at BehindTheMask.com. Passion, talent, development. NCAA hockey offers all that and its players graduate at a 93% rate. Trevor Zegras. And they score on the lacrosse move. Stars on campus before the NHL stage. Whether you're a fan or a player, nothing compares to college hockey. Visit collegehockeyinc.com and follow at College Hockey. After a hard day at work or a long week, what's better than some good comfort food to put you at ease? At the Spaghetti Shack, we say the answer is comfort food that's made by somebody else. The Spaghetti Shack has taken spaghetti and meatballs, the classic Italian comfort food, to a portable level. ASU alumni owned and operated the Spaghetti Shack is located 
at 6340 South Royal Road in Tempe, as well as its ghost kitchen in Queen Creek. For lunch, dinner, or catering, call us at 480-687-2485 or order online at thespaghettishack.com. On the nation's best college hockey conference. Access exclusive on-demand content and watch more than 140 live games. Ready for you wherever you are, however you want to watch. On your phone, computer, or stream to your TV. Your favorite team is on nchc.tv. When you can't be there, be here. Subscribe now to watch the best in college hockey at nchc.tv. If it's nchc hockey, it's on nchc.tv. So you're a few weeks into the season and that brand new equipment bag is starting to get kind of funky. Those sweaty gloves and pads, yuck. Well, there's only so much you can do about it. But when that new pair of summer skates starts to pick up that scent, that's easy. Our customizable shower shoes go right into the washing machine, then air dry overnight, and they're ready for their next shift at the rink. Customizable for your team or with your favorite player's name and number, Summer Skates, the ultimate hockey player's footwear, are perfect for players in the desert or even for just wearing around the house. Head to IcetimeHockeyWest.com and click on the Summer Skates link to get your personalized koozies and shower shoes today. All right, welcome back in, hockey fans, to our Tuesday night edition of the QuadPod College Hockey Podcast. This one where it all started college hockey west weekly scott strandy with you tonight from laughlin nevada as i prepare for another trip to southern california and the pursuit of the new the pro hockey west report paul hornstein joining me from that big beautiful palatial estate out on long island new york paul's probably got his feet up got his uh, land shark in his hands probably got those new summer skates on his feet and uh ready to talk a little more college hockey for you for the next 20 minutes or so well, I'm saving the new summer skates. What? You're saving them? For what? Uh, you got a big occasion? A wedding or something you're going to? I'm going to be off for the next week and a half. Ah, ah, okay. Okay. I'm going to break them in during my vacation. Okay. That's all right. Spring break for you guys out there or what? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Spring so break I, ending I'm here. Gonna, yeah, uh, I'm going to get to go to get blood mention- work, go to the dentist. Get an oil change, get a haircut, get my car inspected. You know, all the things. All you those do usual on, spring break vacations. Yeah, nice. Uh, I'll tell you that uh, next week, this time when we're talking next week, ninety-five. I, oh, I'm ready. <laughs> oh, yeah, but you're in New York. I didn't say it was ninety-five there. It's ninety-five here in the uh, Colorado River Valley. Yeah, well, I wish it was ninety-five here. That's my anyway. point. <laughs> anyway. Oh, by the uh, way, and I'm just going to throw this in to finish this. Um, we don't know if this will be kind of smoothened out next year either because there are rumors of more teams. That there are. Jumping from the Division three level to or Division two level, and yes, there still is Division two hockey, to Division one. So we don't know that yet. We have rumors, but that's about it. Okay, so let's put a bow. That, that was a good start to the bowl. Let's finish the bowl by saying, how did North Dakota get in the position where they lost all of their defense? How'd that happen? 
And then the second part of that question is, how were they able to to, to convince uh, a guy like uh, Ludwig Pearson to make the move from Miami to become the goaltender for the green and white? How are they able to convince him? I don't think it's that hard. He wants to stay in a league that he's familiar with. Um, you know, maybe you look at the other teams in the league and say, uh, where's the best place for me to go? And, you know, he's not going to CC. I don't think he's going to Denver. The sponge is there. Who? Yeah, Caden, the sponge, and Barrico. I, I, I only I, Yeah, you do. Okay. Anyway, and Magnus Corona, really close, I guess, to signing with the uh, San Jose Sharks slash Barracuda. Right, but, you know, uh, I would imagine that that job will be Matt Davis's to lose. Going it will be. Camp it will be. Year. You know? Um, you have, uh, oh, what the heck is it? Oh, Lacozzi at Omaha. Right? So if he wants to stay in the league, he didn't have a whole lot of choices in terms of where he goes if he wants to stay in the NCHC. You know? Well, um, if you're going to transfer, other than the weather... There's not a bad program to go to other than North Dakota with that fan no, base, that. that building, the uh, facilities, all of that stuff. So if you can if you can tolerate the weather, um, you'll be fine. No, I, I totally and you'll get play that. I'm as not... big time as you can get in college hockey. Well, listen, he's from Scandinavia. I mean, you know. And let's face so it. So mine. I don't like the cold of snow anymore. I he you you were born in Sweden? No. But my parents came from Norway, so Anyway, yeah. Well, my point being is that, um, you know, it is nice to play in front of that many people every night. Um, not that they had bad crowds at Miami, but let's face it, I, I, I'm pretty sure that Ralph Angelstead Arena is probably the biggest arena in college hockey. If it's not, it's the top three. The biggest. Yeah, the yeah. most seats. Yeah, yeah. That are filled, too, by the way. Yeah, so. I mean, I, yeah, I don't know yeah, what right Mariucci holds, it, but Mariucci is close. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely, if not the biggest, it is. But it's one that's always full, too. I mean, so it's not like yeah. we've got 10,000 seats, but only 7,000 are full. Yeah, no. So, I mean, it's not a shock to see. You know, and, and okay, so how how do you lose all your defensemen? Uh, did you, did you not anticipate them leaving? Um, because and I've mentioned this to you before, and we'll get to David Carl in just a minute, I promise. Um, but David Carl told me that he goes, we we've got a plan. I asked him last year after the the national tournament, how do you replace guys? He goes, well, when we recruit them, we we work out a plan with them. I mean, there was no surprise that they knew Carter Mazur was going after this year. Uh, the bigger surprise would have been if Carter had said, no, I'm going to stay one more year. So uh, that would that, have made some people very happy. That was, that was a breakdown though of he knew, you know, okay, I might have this guy for two years. I might have this guy for three, this guy for four. And right. part of the commitment process at Denver is you, you tell them that and you pretty much stick with that unless you're a guy that says, I'm going to come back. A Kyle Mayhew, for example, that says, I could go now. I could graduate. I fulfilled my commitment to you, but I've got the extra year. I'll come back. 
that that they'll accept many times over. Of course. But it's what they don't like is what I was just talking about with Arizona State. When you have a guy says, you know, and I don't know this, I'm just speculating, but if he says, yeah, I'm, I'm going to be there three years, coach, and then after two, he's gone. Yeah, I mean. So how, so how did North Dakota get in this mess? Because the hardest thing to do is replace your defenseman. Well, especially when that was their weakness to begin with going into, you know, this year. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, but, you know, uh, they lost some guys to graduation that did not have any more time left, COVID or not. And then you have guys that did go into the portal, like Brett Johnson, for example. Where did Brent end up? Did he, did he not, pick a spot not, yet? No, he did not pick a spot yet. But, you know, Ryan Sidorsky was a grad transfer. Chris Jandrick was a grad student. Ty Farmer was a grad. So that's three guys right there. Tyler Clevin, you knew he was going. Tyler Clevin signed. Ethan Frisch, you knew he was going. Right. And, and but, you know, Tyler Clevin went to uh, North Dakota North in Ottawa. The professional scene of North Dakota hockey. Yeah, right. I, I think they're only allowed to draft or sign players from North Dakota. Um, Frisch signed. So right there, what do you got left? You have. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I, I get it. So so maybe that was the recruitment part of things, um, putting all your eggs into one basket. Three grads is a lot on your you defensive know, and board. You lost, and you lost two seat, two the, the, your two sophomores. So. Um, now you have to replace those guys. Those could have um, been the ones they were hoping to keep around, but who knows? Yeah, well, once again, we don't know what the story is. Uh, you know, we we don't really know who we could look up names that have, quote-unquote, publicly committed to North Dakota, but that doesn't mean they'll be there. Yeah, I mean, true. Okay, we got we got to get to the announcement on David Carl in a minute, but we also have to wrap up uh, the talk on Minnesota State because I'm curious now, with Mike uh, Hastings gone, and a lot of stuff has come out with Mike Hastings at at Wisconsin, and the fact that uh, I think his quote was, um, "If you're happy, you have no idea how much happier I am to be here." So um, <laughs> there's that. Then there's Todd not not taking, pardon the pun not taking the uh, job at Minnesota State when everybody in the world thought he would. Right. And and now you've got this mass exodus of guys that are either in the portal or have decided to sign professional contracts. How in the world and how long will it take and what could a new coach do at Minnesota State to get this thing back on track relatively quickly? Because it's not going to happen next year. I'm almost certain of that. I, I, I don't know. I mean, you talk about a mess. Um, right now, that's that's uh, my friends up there at Mankato. I mean, a serious mess. And I don't know. Eleven years of just incredible success, maybe even more before Mike Hastings got there, but and Troy Judding was there. But but now you're basically starting over from scratch. It feels that way. In April. How are you going to get that all together? 
I, I don't know. I, I honestly, I don't know. It definitely feels that way, though, that they're basically starting from scratch. And I wonder, Paul, and, and this hasn't really been mentioned anywhere that I've seen, but I wonder if it's going to be a USHL coach that makes that jump. And um, even if it is, there's a guy close that we know up from up in Alaska that uh, is pretty close to that program um, that could make that jump. Yeah, but I, I, I also know of a guy um, at the Fargo Force, the head coach, Nick Oliver, might be a good fit. I'm not saying no. I mean, why? Well, I, I think just, it's I what I'm know. saying is I think it's going to be a special talent, a special person that's going to be able to take this program over, win over the the fans first of all, win over the donors and the supporters, the alumni, and then be able to recruit and win over hockey players that are going to be um, contenders and guys that that are used to Minnesota State's used to winning. Let's face it. Oh, yeah. I, yeah, I mean, there's no question about that. I mean, that's, you know, that's that's for sure. I mean, I, I would just sit there and, and, and like, I, this is just, I, there's so much going on there. I don't know what to say outside of, I think everybody expected that not would stay and he didn't um and they haven't lost just defensemen either oh no they've lost everything everywhere they lost a bunch Uh, of forwards it's a complete rebuild yep it's a complete rebuild okay and no one's gonna get into that this summer yeah no no because of all the success they've had they won't but we'll we'll get back to that uh well the summertime talk but i just thought it was important now because it is relevant uh, what's more relevant, though, is the news today that, uh, and we te- we talked about this a couple of days ago or yesterday or whatever, Sunday or Monday, um, that David Carl might be um, tabbed as the next, next coach for Team USA in the uh, World Juniors. Uh, he is uh, going to coach the 2024 team. I think David um, is going to be an excellent coach there. What I'm curious about now is who he takes as his assistants because we saw what, it was like all-star team of coaches in the previous world juniors. Does David go that route? Does he go grab head coaches from other programs and bring them in and try to build the all-star roster on the coaching staff? Is that what he thinks is going to required be required to win a gold medal? Or well, does he the, look at some other assistants? do it though? It is. That's why I'm saying, would he continue to do that? Or would he look for a staff that maybe has some, quote-unquote, role-player assistants. Would Chris Mayotte be a guy that he would tab as an assistant, being uh, uh, competitors? Uh, listen, anything is possible. I, I don't know what the protocol is from USA Hockey. If, because, you know, because Chris was 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 just an assistant coach on, I think we're, we're the, the was the August World Junior Championship. So I don't know what the protocol is for, um, shall we say, rotating the various coaches. You know, I don't know how they look to do it. So, you know, I, I'm sure that um, 
that David will have a major say in who his assistants are. But I'm guessing that it's kind of the uh, in in cooperate i mean like i said usa hockey probably has their lists because probably john van Riesbrock does have that well but you know it's kind of like the pecking order and anything else right you sit there and it's like okay um this guy has been with us for three or four years uh you know there's some sort of seniority slash uh ladder to go up and down. Um, I'm sure that part of it is also um, scheduling. Some coaches, you know, know, uh, who knows what Denver's schedule is in, um, in, in, in December around New Year's. Maybe they don't play that week, so he's not missing any games. Well, we know who they're going to play for sure. Well, in that state. Yeah, but that's but that's okay. And if that's the only game they play between December twenty sixth and January fifth, then no disrespect to my not state. Hey, why not? Why don't you jump to the to NCAA? <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Anyway. That's another so- story. Anyway, so congratulations to David Carl on that announcement. Yeah. yeah, it wasn't shocking to us or anybody in the hockey world. They knew it was a matter of time of when. Uh, now the question is, uh, like I said, the assistance and and what happens in the future in twenty five and twenty six and twenty seven and go down the list. But one other name I want to throw out there with, that I just heard recently about a possibility at Mankato would be Dan Muse. We've had Dan on the show. Yes, um, run the run the ranks. Um, through the the uh, team development program, and um, you know maybe he's ready to make maybe, that move. Maybe, but uh, boy, I, I just think I, to me, I think the the guy that would have to be uh, one of or that could be one of the guys that can put it back together quickly is Nick Oliver, because he's familiar with the college game, being at Saint Cloud State as an assistant. He knows the junior leagues really, really well. Uh, he knows uh, Team USA really, really well. I think he could he could be a guy that could bring them all together. We've had Nick on before too, and um, boy, I think he'd be a tremendous fit if that's of something that's of interest to him. But he just became the head coach this year of the Fargo Force. Does he want to leave already? I mean, who knows? That's oh. he he said he told us he loved that job. It was one of his dream jobs was the coach there. And I get it, but you know, there's only so many. Division one hockey head coaches jobs. Yeah, so far there's sixty four of them. Yeah, whatever the number is. It bounces around, <laughs> I can't keep track. So. Yeah, okay. So. so anyway, and and just to wrap up, up a bow on this episode, uh, the Frozen Four again starts uh Thursday. Uh Minnesota and BU will play the first game. What time, Paul? Um what time is that first game? Yeah. I think it's four o'clock. Four o'clock when? That would, of course, obviously be <laughs> Eastern time. <laughs> All right. Then I think it's like seven o'clock for the uh, second game or shortly after that uh, Eastern time also, because that's what the whole world revolves around. Is Eastern um, time. Five Nobody o'clock else. and eight o'clock are the scheduled times. 
Eastern time. Yes, of course. Okay, so that means uh, I have to watch the game at 2 p.m. out here on the Pacific Coast. Well, we can the first game. Dave Starman on the radio, too. Yeah, or I can just, maybe I just, I'm going to be on Laguna Beach, so maybe I just go down to the beach and maybe watch it on Fubu yeah. TV or something. Yeah. Um, I, if it's warm enough, it could only be in the 70s. It might only be in the 70s. And if it is, you know, that's a little bit cool for the beach. Yeah, yeah, it'd be tough to be there. Yeah, really, really, really tough. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I'm going to say this real quick here as we, you know, as, as we get ready to wrap things up and this is cause I don't really get a chance to comment on things like this too often. This is a positive thing, by the way. Okay. Um, nah, well, <laughs> go ahead. Um, and this is an idea who, what, what, and, and this is, um, international hockey, as long as we're talking about the world juniors. Um, you know, regular, you know, hockey fans are familiar with the name Eric Dudashek. You know, he's a big time hockey writer. Yep. Probably in Toronto. Okay. That's where, um, and he, um, based on the comments that, uh, Connor McDavid made about watching the world baseball classic and the last out being, uh, Shoy Otani against Mike Trout. You know, missing the same sort of thing for hockey. Um, and he came up with a great idea to make it much simpler. If it would be too complicated to, to get another World Cup of hockey. Um, he goes back in history to the early 70s. And looks at what was what is known as the Summit Series. Um, it was an eight-game series between the uh, Team Canada and the Soviet Union. That Team Canada won four games to three with a tie. And says, we Did should have, have a bunch of those. What? Did they have a shootout? No shootouts, thankfully. Okay. All right. Good. Um, yeah, that would be cool. Um, and he goes, you can have the Swedes play fin- Finns. Um, you could have the Czech Republic versus Slovakia. I, I forget what the, the other one is. And obviously, um, uh, the biggie would be the U S and Canada. And you'd have those series going on all over. And I'm sure with, they could work it out where they would stagger the times because of the, you know, the various time zone differences. I am all for that. Of course you are. <laughs> I am all for that. So I just wanted to throw that out there as long as we were talking about the Good international stuff. More hockey. stuff for the summer to get into detail on. Oh, baby. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Okay. I, w- I want to end it on this because I gave you a homework assignment. I just want you to give us the names of the players in the uh, awards uh, that are coming up on Friday. The Hobie Baker, the Mike Richter. Can you give us the names that are the finalists for each one of those in three minutes? No, because I don't do anything in three minutes. Yes, you can. Just give us the name so people have something to look for on Friday, because they won't be back. We won't be back till Sunday, and then we'll be talking about the winners. Uh, that's true. Um, but so the, let's start uh, with Hobie. The three Hobie Hobies Baker's. are the ones that you love. 
Um, yeah, well, Hobie Baker is uh, Logan Cooley, Matthew Nye, Adam Minnesota? Fantilli, University of Minnesota, Michigan. Yeah, yeah, we're not. We whatever. They don't have. I don't care where they're from. You just asked me the names, so I'm telling you where they, who they are. Okay. How about the next big one, the Mike Richter? That would be uh, Devin Levi, Yannick Peretz, and Blake Pietola. Nice. When you say something enough times, you get it right. Yeah. Um, nice. Who else yeah. you got? What's What's the next award? I don't know. But that you, you. Which one do you want to go to? No, we're just. Take them in the order that I gave you to. Them. Those are the okay, two big well, ones. Okay. Well, apparently there's the an uns- kind of- Okay. All right. Well, there's the and and I don't know why there's no information on this. I was trying to look for the the the, the finalists for the Derek Hines Unsung Hero Award, which is uh, named after a a former Army hockey player, Derek Hines, who was killed while serving in Afghanistan. Um, they don't have any names. I can't find any I, of the names. Listed. No, I think that just—I think that just is announced. I don't know okay, if they have finalists. Yeah. Well, all right, so that that would be, un, be why. If I remember correctly, I was at the ceremony last year, and I think that was just announced. I don't remember who the finalists were. Um, the Hockey Humanitarian Award. Love that award. Well, yeah, I get it, uh, as as you should. Um, there are five players, I guess, that are up for that award. Uh, they're not all Division One players. Nope. So that's the beauty of it. Go ahead. So you have. You want me to give you the names or? Yeah. Yep. Um. Here are the 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 finalists for that award: Jacob Atkins and Andrew Walker at University of UMass Boston. Uh, Ryan Herpy, uh, from Albertus Magnus. I guess that's in Connecticut somewhere. Um. And I'm trying to. Will Rosen at St. Anselm, one of those Division II teams. Uh, Hannah Price. So maybe they've made this a co-ed award. They do. They did. At a RPI. And uh, Gabby Hughes, uh, who's a bulldog. Yep. So we got that. Good stuff. Okay. Um, there's also the Tim Taylor Award. Love this one too. Go ahead for, for, for fresh. No, I'm not. I'm not listing 27 names. <laughs> I'm not doing that. Uh, and, and just tell people what that award is from. For uh, the top freshman in the country, yeah. rookie of the year, Logan Cooley gets the Hobie and that one. By the way, um, yeah, maybe. By the way, and and and, and I'll one more thing. Since we're talking about it here, yeah, maybe, probably, who knows? Um, I I think we hear people talk about the Hobie Baker Award, and I'm sure there are plenty of people who listen to this podcast and know the award, know the name. But don't know who he was. But they know he's got a rank somewhere. Well, he was a hockey. He, he was, you know, basically the first American hockey star. Back in the early 1900s at Princeton. Yep, there's still a rink named after him at Princeton, by the way. And I was there. So. Yeah. Yep. Um. And you know he was 
Who was the first winner of the Hobie Baker Award? I'm sure it was somebody from that other maroon and gold team. Neil Broughton. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So he won that, the national championship, the gold medal, high school championship. Time to move on. Yeah. I mean, so I'm just, just you know, you know, he he was killed in World War One. He was, um, like I said, he was the first American hockey star. Uh, could have turned pro, but. Uh, did not want to go down a level, so to speak. Uh, he was, you know, very honest and gentlemanly like, and, you know, all those things that you'd, you know, basically want to see. And, uh, you know, he was apparently a great stick handler and skater and had amazing endurance. They played the game a little differently back then. But, you know, that's basically what he was the first American hockey star and an icon and a legend um, and so forth and so on. I mean, and just so you know, at the, at the last Toby Baker Award that was given out in Boston last year, um, I was shocked to see them bring in the, the Hobie Baker trophy on a little, a little uh, pull wagon, kind of. <laughs> I don't know if that's the way they always do it, but they, they wheeled it in on this little four-wheel cart. It was it was crazy, craziest thing I've ever seen. But anyway, um, yeah, so we'll see what happens. All right, take it away, my friend, before we run out of time. From the Summer Skate Studios behind the mask, College Hockey West Weekly is brought to you by Jesse Ray's Barbecue in Las Vegas, the best in barbecue Las Vegas style. Now at our two locations, the original at 5611 South Valley View Boulevard in Las Vegas and the new location at 308 North Boulder Highway in Henderson. Behind the mask, whether you use blades or wheels, whatever your hockey needs are, see our three Valley locations or BehindTheMask.com. Or the NCHC and NCHC.TV. Subscribe to NCHC.TV to catch all of the action from the toughest conference in college hockey. Jets Pizza. Go to JetsPizza.com to find your fresh deal at your nearest Jets location today. Top Golf. Play some of the world's most iconic golf courses without packing a suitcase. Find out how. See your local Top Golf Center or go to topgolf.com. The Spaghetti Shack. Quality food quickly with locations in Tempe, Pine Top, and Queen Creek at thespaghettishack.com. Liberty University. Hockey, education, and faith with equal passion at liberty.edu. Buy M Drive. Go to mdriveformen.com to see which M Drive formula is for you. By College Hockey, Inc., your NCAA hockey resource. And by Caesars Entertainment Resorts and Casinos Worldwide. It's where the action is in the resort or in town. College Hockey West Weekly presented by Behind the Mask and all of the IcetimeHockeyWest.com podcasts are live every week on the Podbean app and available for download at whatever your favorite podcast platform is. Search, seek, rate, review. Subscribe to ITHSW Podcasts, all one word. That's ITHSW Podcasts, all one word. Behind the Masks College Hockey West Weekly and all of our weekly podcasts are part of the IcetimeHockeyWest.com network. Very well done, my friend. I will tell everybody out there that uh, they want to tune in on Sunday night for a recap of the Frozen Four on College Hockey West Live. Paul and I will be back with you then. Steve Marsh and I will bring bring you the uh, ACHA part of our uh, podcast, which is tomorrow night, the Great West College Hockey Podcast, a little early, 
because Steven and I both have games tomorrow. And um, we will also throw out there that uh, Thursday, April 13th, the Pro Hockey West Report podcast begins uh, on our uh, family of stations. <laughs> Can nice. I say that? On our network, whatever we are, something like that. Yeah. All right. We'll say goodnight with little Roger Klein, the Peacemakers, De Niro. Good night, everybody. Good night.